Welcome to Leverage Women Podcast, where we equip, inspire, and connect women in the leadership that God has called them to. Welcome everyone to our Leverage Podcast. It is my joy to have Lori Hartshorn on with us today. Um, Lori, welcome. Thank you so Thank much you. for being on our podcast. Uh, this is such a blessing for leaders across our country to tune in and hear really uh, wisdom from you. You have lots of experience in leadership development. And so what, why don't you start off introducing yourself? Okay. Man, where do you begin? I'm, how many, do I introduce myself by my titles or like who I really am? <laughs> I think it's a, like tell us about you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a wife uh, to a great guy. Um, he's sort of retired, but so doing the things he likes to do, like building and stuff. And um, I'm a mom to three grown kids who are married. I've got two daughters in love, I call them. I've got three grandbabies. Uh, two-year-old, uh, 18 months, and like three months, I've lost track. All girls. Yay, all girls. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? Uh, so, I mean, I love my family. I, I love my friends that I hardly get to see now because we're in this crazy isolation. Um, I love the cottage. I like coffee. I like chocolate, all the good things in life. Uh, some of the stuff I've done, um, I've been a teacher. Uh, for over 20 years, I was a teacher, grades five to eight, that junior intermediate, uh, loved, loved my journey as a teacher. And then, yes, I've led organizations. I led Equip Leadership Canada, which is uh, founded by John Maxwell. I went across Canada teaching, equipping leaders and sending them out all over the world with biblical leadership training. Um, I just like, I, I'm a junkie to leadership stuff. You know, it's like candy to me. I just love it. Uh, I've been worked in television. I'm now the co-host of the 700 Club Canada daily TV show. So that's a new gig. I've been a pastor. I led uh, adult ministry, small groups, all of that good stuff at uh, Sanctus Church in Ontario, formerly known as C4. So that, how's that? Incredible. <laughs> incredible. Okay. Absolutely incredible. Okay. Um, so with all of that, especially since you're a leadership junkie like myself, where I'm just like, I want to know the new things that are out there. I want to learn. I want to quit myself and others. Um, did you always know that you were a leader? Well, when I was young, I was told I was bossy. So maybe... <laughs> <laughs> when I was seven years old, my mom said I organized my sister's birthday party and ran the whole thing. I remember in grade three running a birthday party, surprise birthday party for our teacher. Like, I didn't know I was a leader. I think I just, I had somewhat an innate ability to step out. Um, but that's when I was, you know, I think when I was really young, it's like, you're not as self-conscious. So yes, I think I naturally would just step up and I was le ring leading the kids around the neighborhood. But then I went through it sort of through a time where you feel more self-conscious and I suppressed some of that thinking, I don't want to be bossy. You know, I don't want to be the one always in charge. I want, so I'd say it's been a struggle identifying that, but I would say yes, from a very young age, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't always do it well, but I think I was naturally would step into that place. 
when you were older, were there people that uh, called that leadership out of you? I recognized it and then affirmed it. Um, yes, um, I fortunately went to a camp. It was Pioneer Girls, so Pioneer Clubs, and I went to their camp. And I'd been going there as a camper for years. And throughout the years, I was I would just be given responsibilities. You know, um, I don't know if the language leader was used, but I was just given responsibility and then I was invited to join a two-year leadership camper in leadership training kilt program you know two summers two years and it was then that I had people really articulate and speak into my life like you're a leader and you need to learn how to do this well you need to actually first receive that you're a leader that you influence people so for good bad or or otherwise and I did have people pour into me and I remember specifically I was 17 years old I've been doing a lot of musical theater, uh, just personally from a young girl. I was always in community theater, always singing, dancing, doing drama stuff, you know. And that was just fun to me. And we had a music pastor at our church and he asked me to, if they put together a, a called out for a kid's choir, would I direct a production? I was 17, like I was in grade 11, so I was 16 or 17. And I'm like, well, I've been in productions, but I don't know really how to direct. And he said, well, I'll help you. And he, we had a choir of 95 kids. I was 16, 17 years old. I knew nothing other than I was enthusiastic and I loved the kids and taking what I'd done just from my own experience. I, I was my first really big, like I'm being asked to lead something. And I give a lot of credit to that that music or worship pass or whatever they were called back in that day that he called that out in me and he trusted me and I was too dumb to say no. Like I didn't know otherwise, you know? So I was like, yeah, that's like to rise up, right? To that right? That's incredible. And now you teach, you know, leadership development workshops and seminars and I've heard you speak at conferences and retreats and why did you create this? Um, there's a specific workshop that you've created called Delegating Tasks and Developing People. How was that birthed? Well, a lot of that honestly came through uh, John Maxwell. So that part of what I learned with John Maxwell, and I was teaching his material, like he talks a lot about this. And as I was really learning from John, and uh, not just from his books, but being trained and equipped to equip others, I started to see this pattern uh, in my own life and the lives of leaders around me. And I call it moving from doing to dumping to delegating to developing. And, and I just was like, there's something to this. So I started to become more self-aware of my own leadership style. And what does, what's the difference between delegating and actually developing people? And what's the difference between just dumping tasks on people and actually delegating? Like, is there any difference? Or are you the leader who does everything and burns out? So I could see this pattern everywhere I went. This lesson really stood out to people. They just, they just didn't know either how to let go and move out of a doer role. So then they become dumpers. And they didn't know how to delegate. They just dumped. They backed the back pickup truck and went, ee, 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 ee. Uh -huh. you know what I mean? And like, and then, so we were teaching them, there is a better way to dump responsibilities and tasks and all the things that you want to equip a team or grow a team. But how do you do that well? And how do you delegate then moving into developing, which is a whole other level. So I kind of 
you know, through John Maxwell, through some of my own experience, through my teaching, I found that this lesson really resonated with leaders. So let's give them a little snapshot of the taste of what this workshop it would be like. Um, share with our listeners the lesson about Moses becoming the leader and what leadership yeah. principles you've gleaned out of that passage. Sure. Um, because I think for me, and this is what I so appreciate what I learned with John Maxwell, everything he taught was biblically based. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, I'm a Bible teacher too at heart, right? Just like you. So I'm like, I don't want to just be spouting off things that are maybe a good idea or I want to actually know, can you test drive this in scripture? So I really found that Exodus 18 was a really good example of the story of Moses. He's overwhelmed. He's got all these people, most of them being miserable, and he's got this task of leading them and he's burning out. And then his father-in-law Jethro comes and gives him some advice. Now, first lesson, listen to your in-laws. <laughs> now that I'm a mother-in-law, I'm just saying like sometimes your in-laws have some good things to say, you know? Anyway, that was an aside. That's not really the main point. But here's what I learned. In verse 19, if you go to Exodus 18, let's just look at verse 19, 20, 21, 20. Just a few verses there. 19, first thing I noticed is Moses became a man of prayer. And I, I don't know about you, but you can have all kinds of skills and abilities. You can even have degrees and diplomas or courses behind your name. But we must as leaders become people of prayer. And here's what verse 19 says, listen now to me and I will give you some advice. So this is Jethro, the father-in-law talking to him. And may God be with you, he says. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Good. And oh, I have, this has been, you know, sometimes I remember this well, Miranda, sometimes I don't like, and I'm, I'm like, do I bring my disputes and struggles to friends and coworkers and talk about it and grumble and complain about how I'm overwhelmed and, or do I bring them to God? Good. And I don't know about you, Anne, but like, is it your natural inclination? Just you go to God first. No, of course not. That's okay. I think it's, I think I right? learned over time. Oh boy. Right? No, we go to each other, go to each other, go to other people. I know. Like and you know, it's, it's a hard but important lesson to learn. I think it's important that like Jeff Thoreau said, you bring their disputes to God in, in, and there's this leadership principle of put the monkey on their back. Like if someone comes into your office and drops a monkey on your desk, you know, you put it on their back. You say, now, what would you suggest would be a good solution to this problem? That's just a good one-on-one leadership technique. When people would come in my office, when I was their boss or manager or whatever, I'm like, well, hey, that's, wow, that's really interesting. What do you have in mind? Because often as leaders, we take the monkeys on our back. We think it's our responsibility. Now, even if we're saying to our teammate or whatever, what do you think? And you, I, I will look forward to hearing your suggestions. I think that we need to recognize that we carry a lot of responsibilities that we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. We carry a lot of burdens, even emotionally. Even though we might have put the task back on people, we have emotionally and mentally taken that thing on. And we need to take those disputes to God. And I have found this to be a very purifying, freeing, um, 
experience. Sometimes I go, you know, in tears. Sometimes I've gone angry. Sometimes I've gone burnt out because it took me too long to get there. But the sooner you can go there and say, okay, God, I'm taking this to you because what that does is it reminds you that you're not, it's not right for you as a leader to take on everyone's burden and responsibility. That's a place for burnout. That's not healthy leadership. That's people using you to solve their problems when they most likely could solve it themselves. So I think that prayer purifies a lot of that. Um, verse 20 says, go ahead, Em. No, um, you're, you're actually alluding to self-reflection, like leaders reflecting on themselves, how important that is. Um, and I've heard you teach this, this uh, workshop and how some people have that, you know, superhero syndrome. And I think that that's, that's incredible. Uh, continue sharing with us verse 20 and how we can reflect on our own leadership habits. I think that's huge. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, as you say, when we go to other people first, we can blow something up and have a distorted view, but God has a way of purifying and settling our hearts. And then once we have a clearer perspective on things, which I believe is what prayer does for me, is verse 20 says, teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. It's <laughs> awesome, right? Teach them hard, but hard, yeah. Right? So I see a few things. I see three things. You've got to you have to commit yourself, and Moses committed himself to communication. He laid out a vision and he developed a plan. But he was going to give the instructions. He was going to issue the decrees or the decisions that had been made that God had made clear to him. He was going to show them the way. This is the vision, right? Yeah. And then teach them how to behave. Like, show, communicate to people that this is where we're going. And not only where we're going, this is how we're going to do this together. And um, I just love that, obviously, the, that's where the Ten Commandments came from. Like, you're going to behave, and this is how God has asked all of us to behave, right? So I really think there's a place that's where a leader does need to take responsibility, that when you're really clear about where you're going, and you've heard that from God, and, and affirmed by others, I don't believe it's just to go to the mountaintop, God tells you, and then you, I believe in testing those things among leaders, that's probably a whole other lesson. But, but communicating clearly really helps people and it helps them behave too, don't you think? Uh, completely, because then they know where they're going and how to get there. Let's say the instructions yeah. are clear there. It's yeah. not convoluted. So then how do you discern who to develop? Right. And I think that's verse 21. Um, he selected and trained leaders to lead actually in their gifts and in their capacity. Because look at verse 21 and it says, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. So there's motive, there is character, there is looking for people that are actually gonna be with you and not against you. Because dishonest gain, trustworthiness, and fearing God is really an indication. I believe you can work with anyone who has the right heart and the right spirit. And they're not only fearing and respecting God, but they have a respect towards others. They're not going to be working behind your back. They're not trying to be manipulative, which is that dishonest game. And then he says, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And this is where I think it's really important. 
John Maxwell talks really well about this leadership lid principle. And I won't go into all the details, but essentially we all have a leadership lid in that we all have different capacities to lead. I believe you can be a great leader of 10 people. And you can be, but the leader of 10 people is not necessarily the same person who can lead thousands. And that's not saying you are a better leader if you can lead more people or not such a good leader if you only lead a few. It's saying recognize where your capacity, how God's built you, how he's equipped you, where your gifts are. And Moses identified not only their heart, but their capacity and their capability. And that's how I think is a very important thing when you're putting people and training people. You want to train people to grow in their capabilities and grow in their capacity. John uses the illustration that if, say, we're, we have a capacity between one and 10, say those people that are like eight, nines, and 10, they have a huge capacity to lead a lot of people, right? Then you, and, and then say people, say you have a capacity of like four to seven, you're in that mid range. Everyone can grow two numbers. Now, he's got a lot of science and theories behind this, but the four, here's the simplistic part of it. If you're a capacity to lead, say, 50 to 100 people, you can grow in your leadership, but you may never be that person that leads thousands. And I think being honest about our capacity is important because if you're a leader leading 10 or 50 or 100 people, right? And you're kind of capacitied out, but underneath you is a leader that can lead thousands. Here's the tension. If you don't lift your lid and make room for that leader to thrive, to actually lead above you, to go ahead of you, it's called lifting the lid. You have to be self-aware to know this is my capacity. This is how God made me. This is how I work best. I'm going to grow and improve to a certain extent, but I will never be, be honest with yourself that Whoever's under you, if they can lead more people and have a greater, lift your lid, release them, and encourage them to lead at the level they can. And this is the problem in leadership is we get very territorial and we think, I'm going to keep the people under me. They've got to stay under me. Well, if you are that person under a leader and you have a higher capacity than that leader has, what happens? You are hitting your head on the ceiling and you have two choices. So some of you are going to lean in right now and go, oh my goodness, that's exactly what's happened to me. I have been underneath the lid of a leader who's a good person. They love Jesus. They're called to it, but they just don't have the capacity to grow this thing or this, you know, they've done well up to a point, but they just don't have the capacity to keep growing. So you're under here banging your head. What do you do if the leader doesn't lift the lid and make room for you? Two choices. First one, you become passive because you get tired of hitting your head. You've tried, you, commun- you, know, you, know, you can see what they can't see and you get passive and you pull back. And then this high capacity leader is frustrated. They're in your organization and they could start to sabotage the leader. They will just pull back and rest- they won't give their best. Because the leader has not recognized the need to lift the lid and make room for them. The only other choice, so you become passive or you leave. Mm-hmm. If yeah. the leader won't lift the lid, 
if you, you actually need to leave and do that well, but it's okay to leave because you'll never be able to leave, lead in that situation if they're keeping you down. Now that was a rabbit trail, but I think a really helpful one to recognize our capacity as leaders to lead, be very honest about that. Are you willing to lift the lid to others who have greater capacity than you? And by the way, about five, say a five leader can lead an eight if they'll lift their lid and let them grow. They really can. If this leader's secure. Yes. That's huge. Secure, like, like their own insecurity is holding them back from developing leaders. I think about how using the Moses example, how under his leadership, it was Joshua and Caleb, these young guys and, and their generation that ended up into the promised land. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to develop you because you're going to go to the promised land and I'm not like, it was just right, like, right. I'm developing you and we're just going and yes, right. you get to go there, but I don't. And that's okay. That's right. huge. That is huge to, to just yeah. be confident in our own leadership and not threaten because we're all advancing God's kingdom <sighs> in this sense. We're all yeah. advancing God's yeah. kingdom. Um, and ministry, yeah. Well, to your point, no, you're right. You're right. And if you are living in competition and insecurity, so another whole leadership lesson we could do yeah, yeah, talk on this good. is the, the number one way you'll sabotage your own leadership is insecurity. Yeah. And insecurity is a very bad place to, to be in. We all have insecurity. So let's get real. We all have it. But the more that you're working on your stuff, you're growing in your emotional intelligence and you're growing in your relational capability and you actually are dealing with your stuff. And I'm talking about your own hurts and hangups. The healthier that you are, the more you're walking in the spirit, the more you're obedient to Christ, you will, a lot of that insecurity stuff will start to leave you. You'll be so joy filled to let others, you'll lift your lid and say, I celebrate you. Yes. So that is a very important and critical piece. And Moses, you're right. He allowed people then to leave. And in verse 22, it says, shows us he only did what they could not do. It says, this is was the verse 22, have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The, the simple cases they can decide themselves. In other words, don't get involved in everything. Mm-hmm. That will make your load lighter, Moses because they will share it with you. And the result is actually found in verse 23. If you do this and God so commands, meaning take this seriously, Mm -hmm. this isn't like just a good idea. You will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. There's the key. Like if you want to stand the strain of leadership, because leadership isn't for the faint of heart. Yeah. You really have, we all need to take this to heart. Uh, releasing, listen, lifting the lid, recognizing where, what our capacity is and lifting our lid to others who have greater capacity than ourselves, celebrating them, equipping them, releasing them, giving them the resources and the, and the permission to do what they're able to do. Um, it's a beautiful thing when we do that but we have to deal with our stuff and our insecurities at the root of it. So yeah. hopefully that helps you looking at Moses and seeing that, how that worked out. 
Incredible. I don't know about our listeners, but I've been trying to take notes as you're talking and I'm like going to have to watch this recording again because I'm like, oh, that's gold. Oh, that's gold. That's gold. That's gold. There's all these incredible nuggets that are just flowing from your lips. And uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative of this, the wisdom that you're sharing with us. Um, I, what's, what's a risk now personally that you've taken as a leader that you weren't sure was going to go well, but you did it anyways and it was a huge win in the end? Uh, everything I've stepped into, I felt like it was a risk. Mm. Like I honestly look back and think when I was 16, 17 years old, like I didn't have a clue. Now I probably didn't have a clue what was at stake either. Like I was a bit more that young and naive and I kind of wish I could have held on to that attitude through the years. But the older you get, you realize some of the risk because you've experienced some of the hurt maybe. But I can tell you that my mantra of do it afraid has been the thing that has got me through many leadership challenges. I would say one of those things was I was asked to raise money. So I'm teaching at this Christian school. I've never raised money. I don't have a clue. I don't even want to raise money. Like who would want to, you know? And they came to me and said, a donor had donated beautiful property. It made it possible for us to build our own building. And we were renting in a school, a church at the time. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Like I know nothing. I'm not qualified. I don't even know where to start. But I really had a moment with God about, I think you're actually asking me to do this. Like I have nothing within me that even wants to do it or I don't even know how to do it. But I was willing to be obedient, take a risk because there was a lot at stake. We're talking millions of dollars to raise. This school had never raised more than $50,000. Like this was millions. There's nothing in their track record. There's no one who did it before me. I didn't even, like I wasn't, being handed off from someone else. Like nobody had done this in that environment. And I had a lot to risk, but I guess at the same time, I'm like, I felt at the end of the day that if I didn't do this, I was not obeying God. That was it at the end of the day. Like I could really screw up here and this could be a disaster, but I had to step out and do it afraid because I really was convinced that God asked me to do it. So I humbled myself because where else was it going to start? It was at the bottom anyway, right? I could only look up. <laughs> and I, I called people that I didn't even know from other private schools, not just Christian schools, but actually big private schools in Canada to say, so you're the fundraiser. Like, I'm, hi, my name's Lori. I don't know anything. I've never done this. Can, can you give me an hour of your time? Like, I don't have time to go to school. First of all, there were no schools teaching this. There, I don't even know where there was a course. There was no internet. Like, can I take you back a hundred years? <laughs> right. And I, I literally went and sat in their offices and I, now none of them charged me. I asked for an hour. They gave me two or three. Wow. I took copious notes. I was just like, if I have to do your job, I have to know how to do it. And I literally just started to take risks. And I told Al that the, the board at the time, the leader, like, I don't know what we're doing here, but this school said this, and this leader said this in my, let's pray about it and let's make a plan and let's go do it. And we raised well over the goal of 2.5 million, I think at the time. And then we were able to buy the lot beside, there was land beside us. We went and bought that. Like, it was crazy. Like I still look back and think, oh, I really, God made that successful. And I think it was out of being willing to be obedient and take risks and just put myself out there and do the hard work. Like it was not a light task. That's incredible. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I feel like I can just sit and talk with you forever. 
feel like we need sequels to this podcast. <laughs> well, let's do, like, it. let's no, do it. We totally need to. We totally need to. I'm just so yeah. thankful. Can you tell us, um, just to sign off, where can people uh, find your resources? Because you've created curriculum. Um, if they want to know more about that for their own congregations or their own equipping, where can they find right. your resources? Well, really, lauriehartshorn.com is my website. And my primary thing on there is my speaking ministry and a lot of things, but you'll see under my uh, teaching topics at leadership is one of my main things. If you message me, I give everything away for free. I just give it away. Like I don't own anything. Ecclesiastes, nothing's new under the sun, right? Like anything I've learned, someone else has taught me. So I'm happy to give away any resource that, that I have, including my time. So thank you. Reach so out much. to me. Yeah. That is so, that's so generous. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you those that are listening in uh, I know that you've been blessed I'm not, I'm not praying for it I know for sure that you have been blessed by our time together and we look forward to our next podcast with you Lori <laughs> Bye thank for you